You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Oh, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show on the Versus Network each and every week. I am your host, Aaron Martin. Over the next hour, we are going to be speaking with lipless crankbait expert David Johnson from Tallahassee, Florida, as well as Lane and Tony Gurgley from Surelife Laboratories Company. Uh, one thing I've got to tell you about this upcoming interview with Surelife Laboratories, if you are under the assumption that all LiveWell additives are created equal, please, please do not miss this because as a advocate of protecting our resources, this is some very important information that each and every angler needs to know. I will also be announcing the winner of this week's weekly product giveaway as well as tell you how to get on, on the action and then go to the mailbag to answer a uh, listener email question. So a lot of good stuff ahead. But first, I just want to highlight one of the events that we happened to attend uh, April 13th through the 15th down at Lake Fork, Texas. And that was the Professional Anglers Association Texas Bass Classic held on Lake Fork. Had the opportunity to meet a lot of you and uh, just want to say hey and, and give a shout out to everybody. Thanks for uh, taking the time to come up and introduce yourself and share some stories. Also, uh, wanted to let you know about a little bit about how the event went on and, and what took place there. It was an overwhelming success, to say the least. Um, just the amount of work and efforts that they put into pulling this event off. But the way it was structured, instead of fishing individually and competing one-on-one, -on -one, they assembled four-man teams. And all four anglers, then at the, at the end of the three days, um, the weight was tallied, and then they competed against, obviously, the other teams. But instead of going out and both... Um, halves of the team fishing the entire day, what they did was you were able to pick who you fished with and out of the four mans, and then you went back out onto the water for the first half of the day, and then the obviously the second uh, part of the team went out the latter part of the day. At the end of, of that period of time, you could come in and then re-strategize for what uh, the team was going to do that next day, whether you swapped partners, whether you swapped time slots. But here's here's a very interesting thing that I thought was just, it could be the way that the, the future of, the, of competitive fishing is heading. Instead of bringing all the fish into way with Lake Fork, Texas having a slot limit, what they did was they put observers in each and every boat. And they had scales and weighed the fish right there on the spot. And then those scales were uplinked back to the weigh-in center there on the shoreline at Lake Fork. So just some phenomenal things uh, that took place. If you hadn't had a chance to check them out, make sure you go to professionalanglersassociation.com. I definitely encourage you to do that regardless if you compete or not. And for $30, you can actually sign up and be a part of that, get involved with some of the great charities that they have going on and all those type of things. So um, also another noteworthy event was uh, James Nigemeyer his team finishing first place at that event. So congratulations again back out to one of Bass Edge's very own uh, pro staff members, Mr. James Nigemeyer. Okay, we are going to hit the break, and then we will be right back to speak with David Johnson. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. 
You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on The Edge, and uh, recently I had the opportunity to sit down with David Johnson uh, from Tallahassee, Florida, when we were taping at Lake Seminole down in Bainbridge, Georgia. David was very instrumental uh, in helping us out, not only cluing us in what was going on down there, but also just from a navigation standpoint. So let's get right to the interview with David Johnson on lipless crankbaits. David, thanks so much uh, for being on the edge. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, you know, when we first met you, when we came to uh, Lake Seminole, um, obviously you were very instrumental. You know, we kind of put some of our own, I guess, preaching to the test in that we, we tried to approach Seminole from the standpoint of just like we would if we were coming there to fish a tournament. You know, we really didn't know a lot about it, so we relied on you to uh, in advance to, to help us out down there. But before we get into specific things about Seminole and, and you know, techniques, um, just how did you get into fishing and, and where you're at currently in the sport? I had a, a great dad ever since I could remember fishing. Uh, we started out in a wooden John boat on Merritt's Mill Pond in Mariana, Florida, with no motor and no trolling motor. We sculled with a paddle everywhere we went. Uh, I caught my first bass at four years old, and I'll never forget it. Dad threw over by a tree with a topwater and a big one. <laughs> Hit, he missed it, and before Dad could really throw there, I was right on him. And I caught him with six pounds, 13 ounces for my first bass. <laughs> Dad said he didn't know who was going to win the fight there for a minute, but uh, I, I was hooked. I mean, it's... Ever since then, there's nothing uh, more important than just just fishing. Yeah, and then now taking it up from your childhood days to current. I mean, you currently belong. Uh, you you currently fish some tournaments, and you belong to I think some clubs, maybe. Yeah, I'm Consolidated Bass Masters, which is a you know a federation affiliated club. Uh, I fish Walmart BFL Stream Series, uh, some of the Bassmaster Opens, and some of the Bassmaster Weekend Series, along with a, a lot of buddy tournaments. Probably fish 25, 30 tournaments a year. How have you been able to develop your skill as an angler? Because by fishing, you know, the, at the at the regional level like you have, you're you're up against some some pretty pretty tough guys that that fish those bodies of water on a regular basis. Yeah, luck, luckily I've been uh, I'm 41 and I've been tournament fishing since I was 16, so. It, Gave me a lot of time to uh, get to know and watch a lot of the guys at a higher level that was that were doing good and uh, you know ever since uh, they had tournaments on TV and Bassmasters magazine and I was just hooked. I just each sleep fish, each sleep fish, each sleep fish. Yeah, that's what it was. Obsessed. Has the the clubs and being part of the of the federation and things like that is that is that helped? Yeah, when I first started, uh, you know. Would, I would go as a no boater and get to fish with uh, some of the boaters that have been fishing a long time and learn uh, how to operate a boat, why they fished, uh, what they fished with them, where, and that type thing. And, yeah, so it's very instrumental to a beginner. Well, and, it, and you bring up a good point, you know, as far as learning how to run a boat um, as a co-angler. You know, that is often taken for granted in our sport from the standpoint that, you know, they think that just because you can... Uh, go out and buy a boat and get behind the wheel of that 
you know, that you can just take off and drive that. And you come to a lake like Seminole, um, there's a lot of, of stumps and, you know, the channels, granted, are well marked. But you just can't take for granted that you can be, anybody can go out here and drive a boat. And, yeah. and ha, uh, you know, developing that skill is, is very important. Oh, yeah. And that, that was part of it, seeing where the guys uh, ran uh, their boats where the channels were not marked and uh, finding out where the boating hazards were, the stumps, the sandbar, the shallow places, or how to operate an outboard motor in grass. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been taught that, it's very easy to overheat your engine and, and blow it up. So, you know, it's, it's got its place. You, mm -hmm. you really need to start on the bottom and learn from that way. It'll save you a lot of heartache. I know, you know, one of your favorite times of year is, is the, the spawn, pre-spawn, and you understand that very well. Get into a little bit about, you know, the different phases of, of that process. You know, when you hear about pre-spawn, spawn, and post-spawn, you know, walk us through in your mind what is taking place there and what anglers need to look for and be aware of as those different phases uh, evolve. Well, um, it's kind of a misconception of it. You know, a lot of the bass all come in and spawn basically at one time, and, uh, especially down here in the south. Uh, you know, a single bass will spawn, will spawn multi times, but you also have different populations of fish in a body of water, and they spawn at different times also. So uh, while you may have one group of uh, fish that are right in the peak of the spawn, you may have a whole other school of bass that are still out in the middle of the lake that haven't even started to come in yet. So it, it gives you a lot of different options in the way you approach it. Uh, Typically, your pre-spawn fish are going to weigh more than your spawn fish, uh, and so it could actually give you an advantage in a tournament if everybody is targeting the spawning fish, the fish will pre-spawn fish because they weigh more, and you're probably going to have less people out there uh, bothering with you trying to catch them. So it's just like, the let's say, for hunters that are out there that, that pursue the deer. I mean, not all of the, the female deer you know, rut, go into rut at the same time. And, sure. Um, you know, bass are no different. So keeping, how, how do you keep tabs on that, you know, as the lake is changing? How does an angler know what phase that the fish are in? And, and what are some of the tools that you use to, to help? Well, uh, certainly, uh, you know, water temperature being the key factor is going to be the, the start. Uh, the water's got to be somewhere in the 60 to 63 degree range uh, for them to spawn. But uh, once you get past that, you would uh, have to try different tactics at different times. You may go in and fish, uh, spawn and fish for a little while, see that it's a little lapse, and you may back back off and try to find some pre-spawn fish that haven't come in and or some post-spawn fish that are through, that are on their way in and out of the coves or pockets. Uh, as the spawn goes on with time, the fish will actually move their spawn out toward the middle of the lake. They start off in the backwater where it's the warmest, most stable. Um, as the spawn progresses, the fish will actually spawn in different places. They will move out closer to the open lake. Um, some of the last spawning fish we have here at Seminole are right out in the middle of the main lake in our water that you can't even see them, but when you catch them, you can tell their tails are bloody and the male bass are peeing. You know what's going on. They'll be on sandy bottom. So. Um, just a, a whole different animal than the sight fishing fish that uh, most people equate with spawning bass. Wow, that's, that's very interesting. Um, you know, when you get into, let's say, like the, the pre-spawn, for instance, when you know those fish, you know, are going to trigger, 
Um, I know one of the things that when we spent some time with you down in Seminole that you loved throwing, you know, the lipless uh, crankbait. With, oh. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, you were just a master at that. It, it's considered uh, an idiot bait. <laughs> well, I don't it's know if I feel that far. You can throw it out and reel it in and it catches fish. That's been the motto of it since, uh, since it came out. Um, I think people are starting to realize it's not quite an idiot bait. It is a very versatile bait. It has a lot of different uses and uh, can be fished a lot of different ways. But uh, here on Seminole, most of our pre-spawn fish relate to grass line, grass points, that type thing. And uh, ideally, what you want to do is, uh, say you're fishing a high drill line, you want that lipless crankbait, uh, whether it be a rattle trap, TD Vibe, uh, any of those, there's a whole bunch of them. To basically tick the tops of that grass. You want to, when it starts to bog down the grass, give it a little rip, rip it up out of there, and then you slow it back down till it's ticking the grass again. And uh, that erratic action of when it's actually jumping from grass to grass to grass uh, triggers a strike. Um, a lot of times these pre-spawn fish may not be feeding, where you could go in with a jig, worm, Carolina rig, and not even get a bite. You get a reaction bite out of that lipless crankbait. It's going through there fast, it's jumping from grass to grass, and it, it irritates them, and they just hit it out of pure instinct. And uh, sometimes they'll tell where the whole school is. The uh, reason uh, that you want to fish something like that is these fish are in groups. You may fish two or three miles of grass line and there'll be only one school of bass on there. Where if you were trying to cover it with a jig or some slow moving bait, uh, you may never get there in the day. Whereas with that rattle trap, you can make long cast, reel it in fast, you're covering a lot of water, you're making fish bite that are not feeding, so you can locate that school of pre-spawn fish. Um, once you find them, you may slow down and try to catch some with a jig or a worm or, or slow-moving bait after you've caught what you can catch with a rattle trap, but that's going to be your tool for finding them. Uh, very versatile in the way that you can fish it in different depths uh, with different lines. Take, for instance... Uh, uh, rattle trap on 15 pound test mono. It's hard to get it deeper, a half ounce rattle trap, than about four to five feet just throwing it out and reeling it in. You can uh, go to 20 on that bait, run it at three. You go to 25 and you can hardly get that bait to go deeper than two and a half feet. So you can adjust that bait for how deep your grass is in the water. It's not uncommon for me to have four rods all with the same bait on there but four different kinds of line. Uh, I may, if I'm fishing it real deep, I may have fluorocarbon on there, uh, which I like a lot for fishing the six to eight foot range. It, that fluorocarbon sinks, it takes my bait deeper. I can feel that grass right before I get in it and bog the bait down so I can kind of pop it out of there at that depth. I fish it a little different than a lot of people. I use a cranking rod, but a line that doesn't stretch in that situation. So. The reason I use a cranking rod is uh, those fish are a little lethargic that time of year. When he strikes, that gives him just enough flexibility that he can suck that bait in and get it. The other thing is with those treble hooks, when I'm fighting him, I don't rip the hooks out of his mouth. Uh, a big proponent of changing the hooks on the rattle traps, uh, TD vibes, whatever you get to a larger EWG style hook, have great success with those. Uh, you know, that was a thing forever. Rattle traps and losing fish were like hand in hand, or, mm -hmm. and I, I don't have I don't have that problem once we change the hooks and go to the EWG style. Uh, may work that bait sometimes like a yo-yo, just like a worm. Just pull it and let it sink. Pull it, let it sink. 
and a lot of different ways to fish it. Doesn't have to have grass. Uh, barren flats do good. Sandbar flats where these fish follow grass edges. Sometimes they'll get right up on the sandbar. You catch them throwing over the sand with it. So, so whenever you're fishing sand, do you let it uh, normally, you know, go? Are you fishing it close in proximity to the bottom, or is it kind of mid range? No, I try to always when I'm fishing, I try to make contact with something so I know where I'm at with my bait. Uh, that's that's one of the times you'll go with mono uh, when that bait is, is digging along the dirt like that, just like a crankbait would. Um, that mono will hold it up, and you can work it slower across that sand. And also, it gives even more flexibility when that fish tries to suck it off the bottom that he can get it without you pulling it away from him. So, just another little tool of the trade, uh, fishing in different conditions. What about sizes of the lip with crankbaits, or, or as far as weights? You know, there's there's a lot of different. Yeah. Well, that, I shouldn't say a lot. I mean, there's probably three or four that's very common. Yeah, you go a quarter all the way down to. to half, five-eighths, three-quarters, and even some of the one-ounce traps and uh, Cordell spots. And they serve uh, some of the same purposes as the line size we were talking about. But, uh, you know, if you're in a situation where you need a bait to run two foot deep, where you think, well, all i got to do is throw a quarter-ounce rattle trap or a quarter-ounce Yazoo uh, ride. Well, if there's a 25-mile-an-hour wind, that's an option. You have another way of adjusting that depth on that. And also you can make the longer cast and cover the water. Uh, the bigger the bait, a lot of times the deeper the sound of the rattle, you can go right back over the same school of fish with uh, changing them up a little bit and trigger a few more fish that you get, didn't get the first time around. Or go behind somebody that's doing the same thing, you're just doing it a little different and uh, have success with it. Is is the rattle or the, the lipless type crankbait, is that something that in your mind you only use certain times of year? No, it's not. Um, you can use it all year round, especially in these lakes with vegetation, but it really seems to have found a home for these pre-spawn fish. Uh, I think they found that out at Gunnersville. Uh, we're finding out here, some of the other lakes you follow is not getting a lot of hydrilla in it that the people doesn't, haven't discovered yet. Uh, a few of them obviously have because they've called me and said, <laughs> what size do I need to throw? But uh, yeah. And uh, it found a home with pre-spawn fish and vegetation. Uh, that that just reaction strike is is getting them when it's cold. Give us some clues on how to figure out. Do I use just the cast and retrieve? Uh, you know, am I going to yo-yo it? You know, how, what, how do you what know you that? hope to do is that very first strike of the day is going to tell you a lot. Um, you you want to be paying attention. Did I just rip that bait out of the grass, or was I? Looking off at the tree over there, just kind of winding it smooth in. Um, that was I bouncing off the bottom? Was I burning it? Or was I slow rolling it? That very first bite of the day, you need to change until you get that bite, especially when you're in an area that you feel confident in. When you get that first bite, he's going to tell you a lot. And uh, you want to try to mimic that same presentation over and over, and hopefully it produces fish over and over. What about as far as colors? I mean, how big of a believer do you feel that, that colors play into lipless crankbaits? I try to uh, somewhat stay within the, the realm of natural colors. Uh, you know, you're talking about a bait going by a fish as fast as it can. Um, you know, stick with your shad. I stick with a, a crawfish color, Rayburn red, which I think under the water is kind of a brown crawfish color is what they think it is. And then... Uh, one I call yellow bird is yellow with a chartreuse back parrot under the water. I think then it's the bluegill and the brim. Um, 
the other alternative to that sometimes is going with something really wild just to trigger that reaction strike like we talked about before too. Something really bright and really flashy can help you uh, trigger a fish that doesn't want to feed. You know, you're just basically scaring him into biting or aggravating him into biting, uh, whatever the case might be. So, for instance, let's say on Seminole, you know, what is a good um, color that you feel, you know, that you're going to have the, the bulk of your success on? You know, where should somebody start when, when, when coming to Seminole? Uh, you're, uh, I've had a lot of success on the crawfish colors. Uh, all the colors, I guess yeah. I told you. I really Just, sometimes have a hard time distinguishing if uh, some of those make a difference. You know, there's shad and there's crawfish. And I think either one of the colors can can trigger a strike, you know, because you're not giving him very long to look at that bait. You want him to just hit it the moment it registers on his brain. Mm -hmm. Shad went by, or crawfish shot by. And, uh, so bottom line is continue to experiment until you establish something that you're having success sure, on. Sure, you know, if that, first, if that first fish you catch, you put him in your live well and he uh, spits up a shad, that's a no-brainer, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying, or crawdad, and I've seen it a hundred times, you know, uh, it, it'll tell you, you pay attention to those little things. What about as far as, you know, uh, colored hooks? I know a lot of times we'll use them and change colored hooks on just regular crankbaits, but with, given the speed of, of uh, lipless crankbaits, do you think, does that play a, a factor? I could, I could see where it would give them if you put it on maybe the front hook, target the front of the bait and catch it better. I've heard a, a lot of things like that and sometimes seen some success doing that. Uh, red is, you know, a, a signal of maybe bleeding or something injured. Uh, it gives that same reaction we talked about when he sees the silver of the shad or the brown of the crawfish. If he sees the red, he sees injured. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, we give these fish sometimes a little bit more credit than they deserve. They got a small brain, even though they outsmart us most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I try to stick with that and try to keep that in mind. Uh, sometimes I, I don't work. But... Yeah. Well, talk about the you know the or what is your opinion on retrieval speeds or or gear ratios of reels? Is is that come into play with? You know, you know, it has, and it can it, it can come into play with the depth control like we talked about. If you really were trying to fish a lipless crankbait deep, you may go to a slow retrieve reel, even though it, all you hear is 6 to 3, 6 to 3 or high speed. But, yeah, it could play a, a big role, and I've done it before in some of the clearer areas in this lake. The fish will go deeper, and you need to slow your retrieve down. And uh, sometimes just simply going to a slower retrieve reel can help you achieve that depth you want to retrieve. Uh, most of the time, you are going to be fishing a lipless crankbait on a high-speed reel, so you can take the slack up when you rip it out of the grass and drop it down and take the slack up. Because it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a battle when you're fishing worms where you got to think it. You want that thing in the grass, but you don't want it in the grass. So when it touches the grass, you speed up. When it's not in the grass, you slow down. So it's a constant battle there. And basically, you're just kicking the tops of the grass is what you're doing. Uh, unfortunately, grass doesn't grow, grow as flat as a parking lot, so you're going to run into walls of grass, and then you're going to hit holes where there's not any grass, so you're even going to vary that more. You're going to slow it down a lot or speed it up when you're feeling it hard. And uh, it's, a, it's a tiring way to fish. Your hands hurt at the end of the day. Your wrist hurts. Your shoulders hurt, but it's very productive. It's very a, rewarding if, if you're able to go out there. Oh, yes, yes. And you can find the, the mother load doing it. Now, whenever... You know, going back to like you had talked about the the pre-spawn fish, are they normally schooled up whenever you're throwing the the uh, lipless crankbait? 
Yeah, that's the you know that's one of the reasons why you do that because the fish are schooled. Unlike uh, the summertime where the late postpone where you may fish a grass line and you catch a fish every 30 yards for a mile and a half. Uh, during pre-spawn, pre there may be just one group of fish in that mile and a half, and uh, the need for covering water and making them bite when they don't want to is key. And, uh, and also, it teaches you the lake, fishing that much water and feeling the grass and where it drops off and where it ends and where it starts. You try to stay next to the edge, fish the bug lines. Uh, sometimes you may try to keep your bait parallel on the edge of the grass. Sometimes if the water's up or the temperatures come up, the fish will go right up on top of the grass and be on, out on a flat. So it gives you that variation of being able to fish all of that grass is what it does. And uh, you may try the edge for a little while. Like if I knew the water fell out, like in any other situation, whether it be tidal or a river, the bass pull out. They go with the water. The water goes up, the fish go up. So you try to adjust your fishing technique to uh, the water levels. Is, uh, we're here on Seminole. We're a river run impoundment. It's controlled by a dam on each end. So we have constantly fluctuating water. Although it's not much, it's enough. Sometimes I have to change lines to fish the same grass bed. I'll go one day and fish it with a 15 because it's five feet down there. Come back the next day and it's only three and a half and I'm staying bogged up in the grass. So I'll fish on the edge and go to that heavier line to hold my bait up more. So it's a pretty in-depth deal sometimes. So yeah. That's why we're talking about how versatile the bait really is. Well, uh, as much as what you have helped us, I can't thank you enough. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time. I could sit here and visit with you for forever on talking about lipless, uh, lipless crankbaits. David, thanks so much for being a part of the edge. Thank you, Aaron. I enjoyed it. All right, David, thanks for some great information on lipless crankbaits, and we certainly wish you continued success. We're going to head to break, and then we will be right back to announce this week's weekly product giveaway. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. All right, welcome back to The Edge. Each week, we randomly draw a winner from the received entries for some great products provided by our sponsors. And to register for these, these great giveaways, all you need to do is send an email to podcast at BassEdge.com. And if you ask any of those who have already sent in, they know uh, some of the things that's going on and some of the things that have been received. But this is all good stuff. But uh, in that email to podcast at BassEdge.com, in the subject line, just list product giveaway. And then place your name and address within the body of the email, and you will automatically be entered in for next week's entry. So this week, we have a Skeg Pro, which is a Skeg protector uh, for the Skeg of your power motor, the big motor, from MegaWare Keelguard's fine lineup of boat protection products. And uh, it, it's it's a good stuff. It's valued at $69.95. So this, this is going to be something that somebody uh, is really going to be happy to have. But the winner of this week's prize package, the Skeg Pro, goes out to Laporte 
Texas to Jordan Edwards. So congratulations, Jordan. We will get your prize shipped out a little bit later this week. Now, each week, remember, we delete all the previous entries and start over again. Uh, so everybody has a fair chance on, on winning. But the good news is that there's no limit to the number of times that you can win. So you can enter in every single week. All that we ask is that you enter uh, just one time per week. But definitely, uh, I think if my math serves me right, that means that you have 52 opportunities over the course of a year to win. So I wish you the best of luck and continue to send in those emails to podcast at BassEdge.com with product giveaway in the subject line. All right, uh, we started something new last week, and uh, this will be week two of that. And what that is, the emails that are coming in asking us questions and different things like that, we thought it would be a great idea to open those up to more of a discussion forum and extend some of those questions out to our pro staff um, to get those opinions on so that we can all learn from some of the great questions that are coming in. So if you send us a question... What we will automatically do is enter you into the weekly drawing. So please, if you have a question you would like answered or like to throw out to the group, uh, chances are, again, that you're going to be able to help us all out by sending in that question uh, so that everybody can learn. And just simply send it to podcast at BassEdge.com. Okay, this week's question comes all the way in from Maryland and uh, basically states, what is the best type of line for fishing crankbaits and uh, we threw that back out to our crankbait expert Mr. Pete Pons and Pete's answer is basically that he really prefers fluorocarbon line for throwing a crankbait and there's uh, several reasons for this one is because its ability to um, not pick up or reflect light in the water the second thing is is it's a sinking line fluorocarbon sinks so he is able to actually get uh, a lot of the crankbaits that would normally be limited out as far as the depth that they can dive, um, he can get those down a little bit deeper. Also, he can actually upsize the pound test uh, and it not be picked up as far as visibility-wise. Um, but then also, he can actually not lose any of his depth on those crankbaits diving by going up to a heavier pound test uh, because of the diameter and because of it being able to sink. The other thing that he notes is its uh, lack of stretch, which he also says, you know, you've got to got to be careful um, on that. But he really prefers, he feels that the benefits of fluorocarbon line far outweigh that of monofilament or uh, the other types for using on crankbaits. So great question. And don't forget to send yours in. I am going to take another short break and then we are going to be right back with Lane and Tony Gurgley from SureLife Laboratories. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, welcome back to The Edge. Let's join Tony and Lane Gurgley from SureLife Laboratories to talk about all the different things that go into formulating fish care additive for your live wells. What is SureLife Manufacturing? We're a manufacturing facility, Aaron. We uh, research and develop and then um, 
manufacture products for maintaining lives of fish in captivity. And we manufacture products for all the way from like for minnows and shiners, crawfish, croakers, uh, shad, the whole gamut of keeping different types of bait fish alive. But our, Well, I know I guess I was introduced from the standpoint of just from the please release me, but there's a lot of other things that, that you get involved with. Absolutely. We, like I said, we research and develop these products, but we actually, you know, we manufacture two live well formulations for maintaining the lives of, of bass kept in live wells and weigh-in tanks prior to release back in the local lakes and rivers after a bass tournament. Absolutely. We also manufacture anti-parasite products, anti-fungal products, anti-bacterial products, defomers, things of this nature. We make a terrific product for keeping shad alive for the striper fishermen. So we've got our, you know, our research done on lots of different types of fish, but my passion happens to be we're keeping the bass alive. I grew up in Central Florida on the St. Johns River, and I've been fishing since I was a kid. And to get involved in this industry shortly after graduated from college was a dream come true for me. So how did you, what got you into this industry? Obviously there's a lot of science I would think that has to go into this. Well, I wanted to be a doctor, to be quite honest with you. And thank God I'm not. Okay? <laughs> I love, really love what I do now a lot better. Anyway, when I graduated from the University of Florida, and, and that's what the colors on our packaging is, by the way. It's our, the Gators color. Yeah. Man. We just won in basketball <laughs> and football. Got, got to get that on the air. But anyway, our packaging is my, our school color, my school colors, University of Florida Gators. When I graduated from college, I got on with a company that was manufacturing a lot of aquarium products. And they were making some bait fish products also. Okay, But I was making products for discus, uh, angelfish, I mean, really delicate tropical fish, including saltwater fish. But it, it, then again, it's like taking, um, if you look at it, a live well in a bass boat is basically an aquarium in a boat. Correct. But now you've got 20 pounds of fish and 20 gallons of water. You've got an aquarium at home, reading in your literature, and you actually have maintained an aquarium to tell you to keep one inch of fish per gallon of water. So you've got 20 gallons of water, you've got 20 inches of fish. That doesn't happen in a live well. You've got hundreds of inches of fish in a live well, theoretically. So the biological load is greatly, greatly intensified in a live well situation. The research indicated to us when I was doing it back then, and I was doing it with Doug Hand and the Bass Professor back in the early 80s, 82 to be exact, and that's when we came out with the first original catch and release formulation. That's been, what, 25 years ago. We had to take into account a lot more things such as stress on the fish, the, the oxygen levels in the fish. Now you've got more fish biomass in, in a smaller volume of water, so now your bacterial counts are up. You know, Obviously now viral uh, counts are up, things of this nature. So what I did was I was able to take the information gained from keeping tropical fish alive and apply it to a more, to, to what I was, my passion was, mm -hmm. maintaining the lives of sport fish in captivity. So in keeping bass alive, which is very important, not only from a tournament perspective, but also just if you're trying to protect the resources, mm -hmm. what does that chemical actually do? Okay, one of the most important functions of both of these products, by the way, is that they, 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 um, Calm the fish in captivity. The way I like to explain it is like if you were to take, and most of us are hunters. I mean, we're fishermen and hunters. Not everybody I'm saying, but a lot of us are. And we both love to hunt and fish. The way I like to describe it is like if you took a 10-point buck and you put it in an enclosed trailer and shut the doors on it, you think that deer's going to be alive in the morning? If he is, he's going to be badly injured. It's a wild animal. He's going to fight captivity to gain free. It's, it's got the spirit in it. That's why we chase these creatures. They have a spirit in them. You take a fish and you put it in 10 to 15, 20 gallons of water and put the lid down on it. He's in a closed environment. Now you put buddies of his in there that he's not used to being in a crowded situation with. They're all going to fight captivity. So what we do is we actually calm the fish down in captivity. It slows down their respiration. Now they don't require as much oxygen. By doing this also, um, 
you're lowering cortisol levels and things of this nature, which is all associated with stress. So that's one of the key functions is calming them down. So that you can handle them, they can handle the situation that they're in also to a better degree, and they have a better chance of living once they're reintroduced into the waterways. There are competitive products out there, mm-hmm. but some of those do not necessarily calm them down. No, they yeah. do the exact opposite of us. Did you want to say something about that? They, um, uh, the main thing that we have found with any fish, humans, or that, when they are under stress their stress hormones, which is their cortisols, get released. And a bass has, uh, in humans, the adrenal gland, which releases these hormones, sits on top of our kidneys. The bass have them inside their kidneys. They release more uh, stress hormones than a human ever could. And so uh, that that's built in them for the fight or flight. That's why they fight mm-hmm. so hard. Um, and if, you, if those hormones don't level out lower, it shuts their immune system off, and that's what delayed mortality, which all the anglers have been preached about, happens three to ten to even a month later, is because their immune system has shut down, and the bacteria that's normally okay becomes opportunistic, and they succumb to it, to bacterial and fungal infections once they're released. But what also in answer to what you're saying is yeah there is another other products out there but they do the exact opposite of ours they, they, they stimulate irritate. they irritate the fish they hype them up so you know a, a man that's fishing or a lady that's fishing they put this into a tank and i spent 25 years doing this and a lot of it i've done with doug hannon like i said the bass professor okay now the guy that's fishing puts the fish in a live well and he adds whatever product in there that's a stimulant and his fish are bouncing off the walls and oh god this is great I mean, my fish are, are, are really hyped up and you're living and so forth. Well, if you get injured in a car accident or whatever, heaven forbid, are you go, and you end up in the emergency room, are they going to give you a cup of coffee or are they going to give you something to sedate you? Or what would you prefer to give you? Okay? Do you want your blood pressure and everything shooting through the roof? Or do you want to be relaxed and knowing that you're in good hands? They'll put an IV in you. So here, once again, we're adding electrolytes back in their system to reduce stress. But God only knows why somebody would want to hype the fish up in a live well. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I've seen the results. Because when you stimulate those fish in the live wells, now you're burning off their slime coat. Now you're interfering with their gills. And I've seen the results of that, too. If you, if you look in the gills when you stimulate those fish in the live wells, you start getting a real uh, small fringe on their gills of about 16th of an inch. After they've been in there for so long, it turns as white as my shirt. You'll see their bellies. They start getting bleached out and so forth. But they've lost their slime. They're getting stressed. And now they're prone to fungal and bacterial infections. I've seen the results of it. You can see it yourself. Just try it. This right here, on the other hand, by reducing and calming the fish down and also stimulating their slime cells, because fish are covered with slime cells like we're covered with sweat glands. And when they get stressed, they stop producing slime. And slime to a fish is just like skin is to a human. Okay, you take the slime off, now they're prone to bacterial and fungal or viral infections. That's why when you get a cut, you put hydrogen peroxide, iodine, things like that on it to disinfect it. Well, the, the slime coat on the fish is its disinfectant. It's a bacterial static, uh, it's got bacterial static properties on it to inhibit the growth of those type of organisms. Remove the slime, the fish is going to, it's eventually probably going to croak. That's why you don't want to rub it on a carpet. You've seen the effects of that or putting your hands on it. But if you put products like this in it, and I'm not saying it's 100%, it's not, I'm not saying that at all. But it does stand a better chance now of revi- revitalizing itself, if I can say that correctly, <laughs> and stimulating those slime cells again 
where now you've got that covering over the fish. On the sedative that we're using, the tranquilization effects of this now, the component that's in both this product and this product, and these right. are two different products, Which by is the way. Catch and release and please release. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. This particular um, uh, organic tranquilizer actually boosts the immune system of the fish. This is almost like giving you an injection. Yes. Well, what it does is and this is really cool stuff. It's used in, in human medicine, um, in dental fillings. The dentists used to use it to inhibit to uh, inhibit bacterial infections by causing white blood cell counts to increase in highly, you know, our mouth is full of bacteria. Um, so what it does in the mucus of the fish is that it, it, it increases the white blood cell count so that the fish's own immune system kicks in to fight any bacteria, virus, and fungal infection on its own because what we have found that even if fish are treated, sometimes they die because their own immune system has not kicked in. So the two critical factors are lowering their stress hormones and increasing their white blood cell count on top of that. And that's what's in both of these. Now the difference between the two is the Please Release Me actually has uh, fungicides and, uh, and antibiotics in it. As where this product here... This is what this one looks like. It's see? green, and this one is a very light blue. This one here has uh, human, what they use in hospitals, to actually kill viruses and bacteria and fungi in the live well. This is a disinfectant, and with the viruses like the largemouth bass virus, and VHS, which is uh, really rampant up in the Great Lakes, uh, this has kills it on contact. So quickly, you got about 30 seconds left. How do you which, when do you use which product? This product you here, you use this product here when your fish are caught and they're relatively healthy. In other words, they do not have any mortal wounds like deep hook. This product right here, if you see wounds on your fish or infections, sometimes mm -hmm. you'll see them already messed up. You want to treat them with please release me. So, and a lot of boats have dual live wells, have two right. separate live wells. I'd have one live well with please release me and one live well with catch and release. And the, and the fish that go in the catch and release are fish that are in fairly good shape. Once in a while you'll get one that's bleeding once in a while, you'll get one that's already banged up because he went against a tree stump coming in, you know, wrapped wrapped up. So that's when you use a please release me. How does people get in contact and find out about this? They can they can go to our website at www.surelife.com. And on there, we have lots of information on how to keep your fish alive. Very detailed. This pamphlet mm -hmm. can be pulled off our and website printed. and printed. And it has useful information on, on how to keep your fish alive. This even goes into alive. using hydrogen peroxide to help, help elevate well the, oxygen, yeah. the oxygen content of live wells in it. This has got a lot of useful information for the tournament fishermen. Excellent. Well, Unfortunately, we are out of time for right now, but I can promise you this won't be the last time we'll be talking about fish care. We've learned a lot, and thanks so much for being part of the edge. Great, great stuff. Thanks. Well, Aaron, thanks, thanks a lot, man. You Appreciate bet. that very much.
Okay, guess what? We are once again out of time. My, how the time flies. But I want to thank David, Tony, and Lane for taking time and sharing just some some great stuff uh, with us this week on The Edge. Next week, another great show lineup as we will have BASS Elite Pro Mark Tucker from Kirkwood, Missouri to talk about some of the great things that he has going on and just his successes as an angler. Also, don't forget, as a reminder, send in those emails to podcast at BassEdge.com with your questions or your entries for next week's giveaway. Um, we also have some great updates that has taken place on the website, so be sure to check us out at BassEdge.com. If you haven't had a chance to see the television show on the Versus Network, that happens every Wednesday and Sunday morning. 7.30 a.m. on Wednesday Central Standard Time and 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Okay, thanks for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you next week on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.